Hi, and welcome to episode 18 of Walk to Work. Uh, today, where it's actually walk around uh, a conference table instead. Um, Edinburgh's been kind of windy for the past week or so, and what with that and other things, I haven't been able to uh, record, so here's the, the cheaty wo- version. Uh, but I'm sticking to not prepping too hard uh, and keeping it while walking. Uh, today, I want to talk about a concept uh, called narrative equity. And so, uh, as I've mentioned before, um, part of the inspiration for this podcast is Mark Rosewater's podcast about uh, game design and more specifically Magic the Gathering design. Uh, And he recently did uh, an episode uh, on his Drive to Work podcast about uh, what he calls uh, narrative equity. Um, And um, his concept of narrative equity he illustrates with uh, a bunch of uh, stories uh, and these stories are about stories it's just basically um, we get we really like uh, we, we, we consider certain things like jokes and stories as a form of social capital or social coin we can use these stories in social situations um, to kind of gain status, I guess, or just to to to, um, to 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 be able to use in social situations. So if I have a good story, I can get a lot of mileage out of that story. Um, so not me specifically, because I'm actually quite, kind of terrible at telling stories. I don't get the sort of tell the story, build it up, tell the punchline, uh, woo, uh, rapturous audience. I sort of tell a story and get to the good bit a little bit too soon and it sort of falls flat. Uh, So part of it is that I don't quite understand uh, how to use uh, stories. But I still like a good story and there's some stories that I have that that I tell. Um, And narrative equity is the way that you can, if you have it in a game, is the way you can take the thing that you have in your game, uh, or rather you can take your game experiences Uh, and convert them into stories. Or rather, you can take your game and convert them into experiences that lead to stories. So if nothing interesting happens, uh, like I was playing chess, uh, and uh, I checked him, and then I checkmated him, it's a very difficult story to to tell. Um, And, I mean, I'm sure in chess communities, people have great stories uh, about the chess games they have. Um, Just... To most people, I mean, no. Fair enough, just thinking of it. In Magic the Gathering, like if I told you any Magic the Gathering story, you wouldn't understand it either. So I guess these stories exist within a, within a context, and I don't really play chess, so I don't really know what uh, stories there are in there. Uh, point is, uh, if your game is specifically designed so that you can uh, generate stories, then people will be excited uh, about the stories that they're generating and will be pretty happy uh, about your game and will continue wanting to play the game. And this, this applies to dancing as well, uh, especially dance classes. So either your dance classes create something, uh, have narrative equity in of themselves, uh, in that uh, they allow you uh, to um, uh, have experiences that uh, you can then tell as narratives, as stories, or they generate um, 
th they generate dances, which uh, in turn um, give it adds narrative equity to your dancing, so that your dancing is more likely to turn into stories. So. Uh, Mark uh, talks about seven ways you can add narrative equity uh, to um, your games. And I want to think about this a bit in the context of teaching. Uh, and also just add a brief um, parenthesis about teaching. So part of having classes with narrative equity uh, is that then people enjoy taking the classes. And if people enjoy taking uh, classes uh, specifically with me, well, that means probably I get hired... Uh, to give more classes. And one of the reasons I was thinking about this is last year at Tokamak, uh, Jess and I um, were invited to teach and our brief, along with the other uh, four teachers or teaching couples uh, that taught, was give the weirdest class you've ever given. Um, and so we, we kind of really wanted to go full on with that, but we also wanted it not to be a gimmicky class. We wanted it to be a class that um, also uh, gave the best possible content, like what did we think that people could most benefit from to improve their fusion dancing. And we decided that it would be proprioception of the pelvis and of the spine, and using that to dance with other people. So we came up with this kind of crazy uh, class that involved a metaphor about baby dragons, where your pelvis, your spine, uh, and your sacrum are the wings, tail, and neck slash head of baby dragons, uh, respectively. Your dragon's a baby because it can't uh, take off, because although it can slightly flap its pelvis, uh, pel its wings, pelvis a little bit, um, it can't flap them enough to take off, so it's a baby. And then on top of that, uh, we to help people improve proprioception of uh, their pelvis and their spine, well, especially their sacrum and their spine, and to figure out where they have range of movement and where they don't have range of movement and how big those areas are and what they can do, uh, we used uh, vibrators, uh, like literal dildo pink from Poundland shaped uh, vibrators, uh, to, so that the vibration aids in the, the proprioception, in kind of drawing focus to specific areas so that you have your attention on them, and in... Um, uh, providing kind of vibration that tells uh, your body, oh, this bit's connected to that bit, which is connected to that other bit. Uh, and that gives proprioceptive feedback to, uh, to the body. And so all in all, for one, we're really proud of uh, the class uh, because of its balance between doing weird stuff, hopefully being memorable, uh, and really doing uh, a lot uh, we hoped for for people's dancing. And I was just thinking, like, part of the reason uh, was also, well, uh, we like teaching, we want to be hired more, uh, and so having a memorable uh, weird class uh, would probably be a good thing for that. And so far, no other fusion uh, events that hadn't already planned on hiring us have additionally hired us. Uh, and so I'm a little bit confused about that. Um, and also, I haven't had any stories back. I don't remember. I haven't had anyone approach me. Hey, Greg. Uh, hey, Jess. Do you remember that time uh, where you taught your dance to the Baby Dragons class and it had vibrators in it? And I was kind of thinking, well, why is that? Uh, and part of it is that the way we designed it is that we thought it would be good for people's dancing. So the class is a bit weird, but we didn't expect people to have amazing experiences in class. We expected them to have 
amazing experiences in their dancing in the weeks and months afterwards. Um, and probably, hopefully people did have that, and probably if they did, uh, they didn't necessarily draw the dots back to our class, or back to our class plus all the other related experiences they've had uh, that allowed them to have better and greater dances. dances. Um, and so that part's fine. Um, and we're also uh, not that ego-driven that we particularly care. Although it would be nice to be hired uh, if you want a weird class with uh, 24 pink vibrators. Uh, we have them at home. You can invite us to your event. Uh, anywho, so and thinking about this narrative equity kind of gave me some ideas also um, about why usually our classes don't have um, that kind of overt, this is going to be memorable and weird uh, and we would like people to be talking about it and excited about it. Um, I and occasionally do that. I did that yesterday with um, a class based on uh, the uh, children's story and we're going on a bear hunt. We're going to catch a big one. What a beautiful day. I'm not scared. Oh no, grass, big tall grass. And then we kind of danced around as if we were dancing through the big tall grass and all the other obstacles. It was fun. I liked it. Uh, again, not quite sure whether it hits the score on the narrative equity. Um, yeah. So, uh, narrative equity has this idea of, um, yes, uh, first one, first thing is uh, if you make the, your components open-ended, you increase uh, narrative equity. Uh, so that means that you don't just use the component the way uh, that you intended it to be used, like say um, uh, a sugar push or a swing out or a side pass. Um, you generate, you set it up so people have lots of ways of using it. And that's kind of baked into dancing um, innately. And I'm not sure. And also there's, there's tension there between actually succeeding in doing the thing during class uh, and during class, uh, the open-endedness is not that likely to be memorable. And then after class, well, the open-endedness is kind of difficult to achieve because often you're even trying to achieve the one you did during class. And it's always this tension, yeah, between using the component or that you did during class or the amount you're able to practice it uh, and then transferring it to a million situations on the dance floor. But that, that's why I think um, one of the reasons, I guess, why we actually teach uh, things to open-ended as opposed to this is a move. It's more interesting to have this is technique that can generate a million moves. Uh, the next one is to have components that are modular and can interact together in different ways. Uh, and so we often build classes like that uh, where you have here are three different rhythms you can do with your feet. Here are three different movements you can do with your chest. Uh, if you combine the movements of your chest and the movements in your feet, that gives you nine different moves. Um, and it's kind of good because it sort of tells people, here's how many moves we've done today. It's way more than those than, we, than, you, than the, the ones you actually think. And if you have this kind of multiplicative property, it interacts well together. But the thing is, even if you have nine possibilities, people won't have done like if you have an hour of class and you have nine possibilities, people have done at least, at most, five minutes of each and more likely only just 30 seconds of each possibility. Um, 
and so it's they haven't actually learnt it during class or done it during class. Um, and then, so again, you have uh, the narrative equity in the dance, but not necessarily the narrative equity um, in the class. But again, because you can combine things infinitely and uh, multiplication is stronger, it grows faster than addition. Um, that's why I, and also because that's the way I think, in a kind of very engineering, make things orthogonal way. I like to think you have... Uh, this thing can go in so many different ways, and this other thing can go in so many different ways, and then you can combine them in x times y different ways. Uh, the third one is... What was the third one? Oh, striking a bit of a blank here. It'll come back to me. Yes, um, open-ended challenges. Um, so the idea is... If you can do a thing, that's the thing that happens. If you can do this really crazy thing based on the same thing, that, that's a story. Um, so like, the time I missed a train, that happens. The time I missed a plane, that happens. The time I missed a plane, took a tram to go to the station, left my luggage on the tram, it went one cycle round, but fortunately it was snowing, so my, play, so my train was late, and then I took a train all the way across France and arrived only two hours late for classes. If I tell that story right, that's a pretty good story. Um, and that's because I really uh, went for the open-ended challenge of completely failing at transportation for that day. Um, so in dance, it's a little bit difficult to create... Um, sort of open-ended challenges, that you can have a normal version of a thing and then suddenly one day you have the crazy version of the thing. Uh, I think one of the most iconic ones of that is uh, stories about um, uh, once uh, at some competition or just some jam, someone went in with swing outs and they did one swing out, then they did a second swing out, and a third swing out, and a fourth swing out. And at some, uh, by the end of it, they'd done like 25 swing outs in a row and they were not stopping. Uh, and it's just this crazy thing where everyone's, where this person, this couple is just doing swing outs. Um, and that's a kind of uh, good story. Um, and I'm not really sure how that one works uh, in uh, dance context. Again, in dance class, uh, the, the opportunity to... Um, do the crazy version of the thing probably doesn't arise that often. But you can give uh, the thing that has the crazy version of it. Um, so like uh, doing call and response and challenging people to stay in call and response for an extremely long time. Um, having uh, sort of uh, freezes and releases so people can uh, sort of freeze and be like, and then we froze and we stood frozen for 30 seconds and then we set off at the same time. Um, maybe one that I really like doing is pivoting on one foot. And you can just sort of pivot on one foot and pivot 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 and pivot. Uh, so those are based kind of on lots of repetitions or lots of time of the same thing. Um, I guess there would be things like... Yeah, I'm not sure what extreme versions of... Um, uh, or open-ended challenges uh, look like. And I think that's, that's an interesting one to explore, both to actually happen in dance class, because then you can sort of have 
the dance-off of who did best at this open-ended challenge. Um, and uh, it also gives things that people will then do that's memorable uh, on the dance floor. And it's also really cool because you can sort of seize the occasion uh, to do it. Mark tells the story of he used to play softball and one day um, he hit uh, a, a ball that took him uh, straight to third base. He, he was able to run through to third base. And he's like, I've never been through to third base in my life. Going to third base is not that great of a story. A home run, now that's a story. And so he just went for it and went for the home run much increasing his chance to strike out, like it wasn't the good play to do, but it was the one that he kind of intuitively knew would lead to the great story. And so having things that people will intuitively realize can lead to a, lead to a great story uh, is, is a great thing to, to, to have as a thing you can do when dancing. Um, next one, number four, is... I'm having a lot of trouble remembering these in order. Um, number four is customizing, uh, providing, uh, oh no, number four is uh, providing impossible challenges. So these are kind of, um, or extremely difficult challenges. So here you have an achievement that you want people to try to achieve and you give them the feeling that it's really, really hard to pull off. Uh, and then people will pull it off just for the sake of pulling it off and be the person that has pulled it off. And I think there's a thing about uh, classes that go and teach a lot of moves that you're never going to hit that move on the social dance floor uh, because unless you practiced it a lot. Uh, and so it's like, have you practiced it enough that you're going to be able to hit that move? Or are you going to be able to hit that move in the jam? Are you going to be able to hit that move in the competition? Are you able to hit that move in the jam or competition and it be super musical? And so th those are pretty interesting challenges and those challenges are really built into um, a lot of classes. And I think that explains why um, we often like classes with a, a move. It's like it's pretty tricky. Uh, and although we realize that none of these moves ever make it into our social dancing, it means that the day that we are actually able to take a move and put it in our social dancing, we're pretty excited about that. Um, and that at least makes a good story we can tell ourselves. Uh, and also it makes a good story to tell other people. Um, like, hey, uh, tonight when social dancing, I did the move we did in class. No one kind of wants to admit that no one actually successfully pulls off the moves that we do in class. Or maybe they do. Maybe it's just me who doesn't. I don't know. Um, number five is to give people um, the opportunity to customize. And I think that's a really interesting one uh, for dance classes. It's why uh, we're like, okay, let's take this concept. This concept is making things big or small. And here's a move. Uh, we can make it big or small. And that teaches people a blues move if they didn't have any. And we maybe go, here's another move. We can make it big or small. Okay, what's your move? You make it big or small. Uh, and with the, the bear hunt class yesterday, um, we took the swishy, uh, there's a swishy swashy grass and there's the water and there's the mud and there's maybe a couple of other obstacles in the children's story and we asked people to name their own obstacles uh, or um, styles of walking basically. Um, and so uh, people 
really went for it. Some people sort of went with surfaces. Uh, so you had um, a clock face. And so the, the, the clock hand is ticking around and you kind of have to jump over it from time to time. Um, other people kind of went with, oh, this, this is about different ways of walking. Uh, let's ignore the uh, surfaces and go with walk like a zombie, walk like a flamingo. Um, another people went, what can you walk through? You can walk through bubbles. You can walk through um, snow. You can walk through treacle. Um, and that gives kind of people the opportunity to, to, to bring, make, bring their own thing uh, to a class and make, um, their, their, make their own story, choose their own adventure. Uh, I'm not sure, again, how much narrative equity that actually gives uh, to class, although I'm sure it gives more narrative equity uh, than uh, not having uh, your own things. Um, and I'm not sure how much narrative equity that brings to your dancing later, although it does kind of encourage people who like to have the fun weird dances to own up their fun weird dances and find other people who like to have fun weird dances uh, and have those fun weird dances. Spoiler, I'm not particularly into fun weird dances. Uh, I used to be and then I think I just uh, did too many of them and now just like a nice non-fun weird dance. Yeah, and that's cool too. Uh, number six. Um, Ooh, having trouble with number six. Oh yes, uh, number, uh, maybe actually this was number six and number five got them mixed up. Create alternate win, alternative win, win conditions. Now, I think that one's really interesting um, in that you can be like, okay, the goal is to do this move perfectly. Uh, and that's kind of what a lot of partner dance classes are about. Or the goal is to be super musical. Um, and then suddenly, if you add in a different win condition, the goal is uh, to go around the post three times, or um, the goal is uh, to mess up the leading and uh, or mess up the following. Um, the goal is to do something completely different from what you do with your partner. Uh, that kind of takes people out of uh, certain ruts. Uh, and gives them new things to do. And it also takes uh, things like maybe people are not the best um, dancers in the room or don't feel like they're the best dancers in the room. But maybe they definitely are the most competitive and the best at walking three times around the room. Um, and so that one's a fun one for, for, for dance class, uh, especially as it sort of levels the playing field uh, because you can no longer just win with the single way of being the best possible dancer. Uh, if you give enough win conditions, as many as there are people in class, in class then everyone is also the best at something. Um, possibly fostering a non-competitive spirit uh, is another way of creating alternate win conditions, but that's, that's also a fun one. And it also gives people kind of different challenges on the dance floor uh, and different things they can seek to do on the dance floor. Uh, and again, when kind of dancing with other people, sometimes the goal is to bounce around like a crazy person, uh, bounce around like uh, an excited person, I mean. Uh, sometimes the goal is to have a nice, soft, cuddly dance. And sometimes the same music can encourage both of those things to happen. Uh, and so being able to understand uh, the alternate win conditions of people 
gives you um, kind of different goals. And again, I'm not really sure how this generates uh, the ability to do stories, but it does. Number seven uh, for Mark is um, is 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 uh, people get people interacting, and so uh, dance social dance classes especially will. They're about people interacting anyway, so that's sort of built in and pretty cool. But you can also get people extra interacting. Uh, you can get people sharing ideas with each other. You can get people sharing ideas with the group. Uh, you can um, get people basically creating their own mini-stories within dance class and encouraging them, giving them tools to go out uh, and create their own mini-stories with other people uh, during dancing. And that, I think, uh, for me, kind of touches on what actually... Um, so I don't tell many stories about actually dancing, like partly because they're sort of my stories and the story of the person I was dancing with. And so it feels... Um, I feel shy about sharing those stories. It's a sort of a little bit intimate, a little bit personal. But the flip side of that is that I do have those stories that are a little bit intimate and a little bit personal. And so maybe that's uh, a different, slightly different kind of narrative equity. Uh, it's kind of like the narrative equity of creating private jokes. It's that I have these private experiences that I share with very specific people because of the dances we've had, because of the interactions we've had in dance class. Um, and that makes our relationship, however superficial it is because we've never actually talked uh, or maybe we would never even talk or would have nothing to talk about, we still have this shared story that's shared with no one else. Uh, so that's my new sort of idea of what kind of narrative equity I want to create, uh, both uh, narrative equity of the dance classes and narrative equity of the dancing that people learn. Uh, from these classes, the ability to create these shared moments between two people that belong just to the two of them. Uh, and so reflecting back on uh, the Baby Dragons uh, dance class, so it was memorable, we can tell the story of that time that we did uh, the weird class, um, and that kind of fits into, it's a good story for me and maybe it's a good story uh, by proxy for our students. Uh, it sort of fits into the um, open-ended challenge. The challenge is, what's the craziest dance class you can possibly come up with? That's our answer to it. Um, but it didn't have very many open-ended components. It had the open-ended component uh, of uh, think about your spine and pelvis and move your spine and pelvis and coordinate your spine and pelvis's movement with that of your partner. Uh, and that was hopefully a new component for some people and a component, a different way of practicing that component. Uh, modularity, it modularizes quite well with other things, although as soon as you add like taking steps or bigger movement or moves, it becomes much, much, much more difficult to proprioceptive your own sacrum and your partner's sacrum. Uh, I do it quite a bit. Uh, but I have quite a bit of experience with it, and it's specifically a goal I have. Uh, so probably not scoring very high on the modularity. 
and not scoring um, very high on the modularity during class. Uh, during class people kind of did uh, two or three movements that we suggested and spent a lot of intense time meditating on those two or three movements. Um, number three was uh, open-ended challenges. Like there, there is an open-ended challenge of what can you perceive of the other person and how can you create new cool things from that. And from just doing a kind of two-footed, planted, only moving our pelvic floor dance, that's a pretty special kind of dance. But it also bakes into it uh, number four, which is near impossible challenges. Uh, for people who have not tried that before, combined to communities that don't necessarily do that very much, uh, you get into the impossible challenge of having that we only move our pelvic floor dance. Uh, and aside, um, and with, except for people that I have kind of built up to that in my dance relationship, uh, I think there's one person uh, that I suddenly found myself dancing with and we were dancing this tiny, super aware of our pelvic movements uh, dance. And yeah, it's happened once. But that's a pretty good story that I share with that person, so that's cool. Um, number five was uh, the, oh yeah, uh, probably the alternate wind condition. So this is a really interesting alternate wind condition. Uh, and so hopefully people um, got that. And the alternate wind condition is really, uh, in this case, about can you create yourselves a completely new story just for two people based on the fact that you tried to do this completely different thing. So alternate wind condition um, is uh, just dancing and being hyper aware of the other person's movement uh, as opposed to being super musical or as opposed to leading and following super well. Uh, it's sharing this body to body awareness and connection. Uh, so that one's pretty cool. Uh, number six. Uh, was the uh, customization. That one's a bit challenging because you do it with your own body, but uh, the way that we reduce it is that everyone has two pelvic halves, a sacrum and a spine, and everyone has slightly different movement capabilities, but you don't really get to customize that one. And that's the thing, the, I th the, the failing I think we had in class is that there wasn't much customization. Uh, and then the interaction. Um, there's also not much interaction. I mean, people were um, helping each other proprioceptive their spine using vibrators. Um, and we set it up with the organizers so that uh, as to be a really safe or as safe a space as we can make it rather, um, in the sense that uh, we were like, if we make this sexual, um, we told the students, if you make this sexual, if you make sexual jokes, people will feel uncomfortable and that will break uh, the class. So. Um, I think the being in a shared experience with uh, 30, 40 other people who are holding space for each other to work with uh, gigantic pink vibrators um, and not make it sexual uh, is a pretty special uh, shared experience for the class. But um, because of that, we also kind of depersonalized it um, so that people wouldn't go making uh, all the fun jokes that you could make about vibrators. Um, and also that thing I think then didn't, doesn't necessarily transfer very well to uh, outside class. Because it also feels like something that maybe actually 
is not up for sharing? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that worked out. Anywho, uh, those are sort of my thoughts uh, on... Uh, this was a particularly long one. Woo. That's what happens when you're walking around uh, and don't have anywhere specific to go. Um, so yes, uh, narrative equity, um, allowing people to create stories during your classes and allowing people to create stories in their dancing. Um, so by create stories, not just like create, um, dance out a story, but to have afterwards you go home, you come back from the festival and you have this great story to tell your friends. Uh, that's, the, that's the thing that will keep people, one of the things that keeps people hooked. Um, and the, the associated one, uh, the kind of um, intimacy equity, the ability to generate either from class or from the dancing that results from class, um, a two-person private joke of a story that they will share for the rest of the time they know each other uh, and that is very specific just to the two of them and that belongs to their shared story. Uh, I think that one's a really cool one to work on in class and a really cool one to try to give people uh, the ability to, because then people who don't know each other, they all come to class and they meet in class. Um, they have some kind of social bond that they take out of class with them into the community, uh, into the event uh, space. Uh, and then they can build on that with their dancing um, throughout their, their, their shared time in the community or their shared time at the event. Uh, so try those things out or have a think about the classes you teach or the classes that you've loved most in your life um, and figure uh, where, where, does that fig where do those things fit uh, in this narrative equity idea. Yeah, let me know. Uh, I'll see you next time. Until then, take care.